Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. That's complex. Providing young people with the knowledge, the tools they need to stay safe on the road. Go down to your child's school and teachers have tattoos and piercings in the bank. Anywhere you go. Restaurants are not making vast profits. Pay our suppliers, staff, and we pay our bills. And there's very little left out of that. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Call 96 Oh, it was a minus five this morning when I sat into the little car. Uh, this this will be the last one of those for a while, I think. Someone put up a picture from Little Island direction of minus eight uh, this morning. And certainly it was a really, really cold. And I put some, I did the thing with the towel all week on the front window of the car. Like I told you, and people were messaging me, asking me to tell them what to do. The, 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 the towel from the bathroom over the front windscreen that's brilliant keeps it nice and clear uh, all you'll have to deal with is fog then when you start up the car but put the kettle of water down the two side windows and the damn thing was frozen before I went back out to the car to, to start up it was really freezing this morning at minus five but that's about the, the size of it for now I think the frost is gone as of later this evening let us Turn our minds back to Monday when Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather joined us to look at the week ahead. It's a bitterly cold week. Hard frosts Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Cold day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to start. But then this cold spell is going to come to an end pretty swiftly and pretty sharply with the Atlantic roaring back towards us. So it's going to turn very wet and windy for the weekend and there's a risk of some nasty storms next week. Alan's back again. Alan, uh, are we looking at a horrible weekend? Because by the sounds of it, we are. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, well, I should just say it's down to minus 8.4 in Dunmanway in the last hour, one of the coldest spots in the country, actually. Wow. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it hasn't changed much. It is going to roar back into into stormy season. And we're looking at um, some wet and windy weather even tomorrow. Now, the rain will move in this evening. The cloud will start to move in. Temperatures will start to come back up. Good news for those with frozen pipes. The thaw will start. But it's going to turn wet tonight and then we're going to have more rain tomorrow. And tomorrow afternoon, there could be some very heavy rain in the south of the country and particularly windy, not stormy, but fairly windy. Mm. Um, but then Sunday, we're looking at more heavy rain and there's a risk of some more stronger winds. Now, the south may escape the worst of them, but Mayern have just issued a yellow weather warning for the entire country for mm-hmm. Sunday. And they say updates to follow. I'll be shocked if that isn't upgraded for at least a few spots because the weather models are showing a particularly nasty low pressure system getting strengthened very quickly by the jet stream. So the jet stream has really been powered up by that crazy cold that we've seen in America. Mm. The gradient difference between the cold and the mild, milder air is what powers the jet stream. Um, so that low pressure system looks like it's going to track towards us. Now, some of the weather models kind of had it in two parts. The first part on Sunday morning and then late on Sunday night, um, the worst of the, the strong winds. 
but it is looking like a very unpleasant weekend. Milder, yes, up mm. to 12 degrees, mm. maybe even 13 degrees. So a big change in temperatures. And then Monday, we look like a bit of a mix of sunny spells and showers, but then a risk of another nasty day on Tuesday with more strong winds and more heavy rain. And some of the weather models showing that by Tuesday even we could have up to 100 millimetres of rain in the west of the country. Holy and even moly. in the yeah, and even in the southwest, 80 to 90 millimetres possible. Crikey. This really is, isn't it, Alan? It's the arm wrestle that you and I have talked about before. The arm wrestle between the Atlantic and everything else. Because if the, and when yes. the Atlantic wins that arm wrestle, God knows what happens. Yes, that's it, exactly. We've gone from this high pressure sitting over us and keeping us cold, but nice blue skies and very settled weather. Um, but the Atlantic, as I said, the jet stream is powering up that and it's just going to blow the cold away so rapidly and so quickly. It's it's quite impressive, really. Um, now, some, some of the weather models show that perhaps this could have a knock-on effect that towards the end of next week, we could start to see things settle down again. So there is a hope of that, mm. but um, certainly a, a rough few days ahead. Um, and it's kind of, from, as I say, from one extreme to the other, from very cold and very settled to very mild and very unsettled. Within 12 hours, if I'm listening to you correctly, is that unusual? Um, not that unusual when the Atlantic comes back, but it doesn't come back this strong that often. But, I mean, very often we do see the, the cold. I mean, you have to remember the cold air is really only kind of, you know, just to the southwest of Ireland. Um, so the, 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 the milder kind of Atlantic is never that far away. Mm. And, but the jet stream is really powering up these systems now. So that's what's really changing the fact that that dramatic cold yeah. in North America is, is driving the yeah. power of jet stream. And by Lord, it is clo- it is cold over there reading about all them Teslas in Chicago that are seizing up at the side of the road because it's so cold over there. Just you said that the cold is at the south of us. We expect to hear that cold weather is coming from from north of us. Explain that. No, it is coming It is coming from the north, but what I mean is it only comes as far south as Ireland. It doesn't extend that much further. Ah. So like if you go... If you go 100 or 200 miles off the south coast of Ireland, do you know, the, the cold weather, it's not like it fills the Atlantic and the Atlantic has to be slowly kind of warmed up, do you know? It, it's just the cold is only kind of covering us, I suppose. It's not it's not that hard to move it away from us. If there are hat, if you have hatches, would you be battening them down for the weekend, Alan, lastly? Um, yes, I think there's, there's definitely potential for Sunday to be a nasty enough storm. Now, hopefully that won't work out that bad but my motto always is prepare for the worst and hope for the best so yeah I'd be I'd be making sure anything the trampolines I don't know if anyone's been bouncing on a trampoline in this weather but um, if you have a trampoline out just check it make sure it's secure because uh, it is it is looking like it's going to be a very rough enough weekend Alright good man as always thank you Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo Weather follow him on social um <laughs> Ah, I love this. I have enjoyed this week's weather because it's cold and fresh and crisp and gorgeous. And now it's going to be replaced with gunk and muck and dirt and filth and wind and rain. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number, the text to WhatsApp is oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Come here. Yesterday the. The bottle tax came up on the show. And I look, it's going to come up a lot because as of two weeks yesterday, so by this time 
two weeks, by Friday the 2nd of February, start of the Six Nations and all that, we will have a bottle tax in place. And I was asking the question yesterday, why is it we just can't crush the cans and bottles like we do now when we go putting them into the normal recycling? I got the answer to that from some listeners. There's also, and I'll find it, there's a fantastic piece in one of today's papers, The Independent, I think, goes through pretty much every question you can think of with regard to uh, the bottle tax, which is going to be a big talking point over the next couple of weeks. Back to it in a while. First of all, did you see this light in the sky last night? It was reported that people were seeing it in the city centre and that they were seeing it around the country. Reports from places like... Navan and Carlo and Monaghan and, and up and down the country, a kind of a greenish red fireball. Fiona was watching this. Fiona, you got you saw this down in West Cork and you actually thought it was coming straight for you. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Um yeah, it was it was crazy. Um like I've seen I've seen comets before and be very well kind of versed on all those things and my son is studying photography now and we would always be looking out for things. We were leaving um, Banshee. Sadly, my mum's in hospital at the moment and we were maybe it was around half six heading towards Drimmer League on the main stretch of the road and it was dark and we were driving very slowly because the roads were icy and, you know, focusing on all that. And um, this thing um, just appeared in front of us. Um, I'm not exaggerating, like... It, it wasn't like it was up in the sky. It was like hurtling for our car. So in front of our windscreen, and it was huge. It was blue, green, really, really vibrant blue and green. with on fire. We were terrified, and my husband was with me. And um, it was like the end of the world or something. It was, it was biblical, and it kind of just dashed across the front of our car into what looked like it fell to the ground in the field like exploding as it was doing that it wasn't like like i have a friend there in cork who's much more knowledgeable on these things and he had recorded something on his dash cam and we were comparing i was looking at that because obviously i didn't have my phone with me looking at the sky at that moment but um it wasn't that it wasn't you know it wasn't what they saw and and people are saying now that there was something in glasgow that sounded kind of similar to what we saw. So I don't know if there's more than one of these things. Um, then other people have said to me it could be this failed operation on Monday night, that it could be part of some kind of, you know, broken down, fragmented yeah. um, thing. But it, it was it was, it was, was nothing I've seen like before, PJ. And I mean, it was... It was did did so you honestly it think it was going to hit you? Yeah, I... My life has been pretty difficult at the moment, to be honest with you. I've, I've loved ones very unwell, and I just thought it was the end of the world, because I, I saw that film, didn't I, <laughs> about these things, um, I don't know, last year. And um, it was so big. It wasn't... It wasn't. It's so frustrating that we didn't have a dash cam, because it wasn't um, something like you... You know when you, they, they tell you to look up at the sky and all this kind of thing, and you see these beautiful things? This was different. I, I, I mean something that I've never seen and I don't know where it is. I actually phoned the guards because I was worried um, mm-hmm. that it had landed somewhere and, and the guards went out there because, I mean, it must be somewhere. It must have come down and, like, those things are huge, aren't they? So, um, 
Astronomy <laughs> Ireland on their X or Twitter page mm. says it's a meteor, something to do with the Starlink project, Elon Musk's <laughs> Starlink project. <laughs> all right, I'm not a fan of him, all right. Um, I don't know. I mean, how do they know that? I mean, like, my friend is very knowledgeable on these things, and it was, it, it was, it was, in my opinion, like a fireball. It, it was, it was round, and it was, it was green and blue. It was like shamrock green and blue, right. and it was like, it was, it was like firing at, at us, like it, it blinded us. It, it was like you know, in front of the car. And, you stopped. Um, you stopped the car, did you? We, we were frightened. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be scared of like seeing. What, what the other people saw, like, fleeting across the sky, you know, you'd be like, I'll make a wish or something, but this was like, what the hell has happened? I was shook, and I had to go into Aldi after that, and I was bracing myself, because I was worried that maybe it, it, something has fallen, like, on even, you know, the, the land, or hurt an animal, or human, or... Yeah, because it, you know, it, it seemed, it said, it seemed to come down to land, it seemed almost to come into a field, did it? it's out there. I mean, if there's anyone that has the ability to find these things, I know that they're valuable. I think it's somewhere. I mean, like my friend was saying to me, it's probably hundreds of miles from you, but I know what I saw, and my husband was with me, and mm-hmm. we were we were, we were were driving very carefully because it was very icy, okay. and um, I, I don't think it's what other people saw. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw this image on the dash cam, I think it's an examiner, yeah. and it's beautiful, and um, I'm friends with the person that took the image for years. We know each other for years, and um, it's not. It wasn't that. It was it a completely different color. No, it no. was. It was like PJ. It was like green and blue, and exploding with fire. Like it was on fire. This thing. <laughs> if anybody else, if anybody else in West Cork has such a vivid memory of seeing that last night, they can call us. Fiona, thank you. Um, this X, the X account of Astronomy Ireland, lots of people sent footage in from around the country. It came, there was people saw it in Carlow. There was people who took video of it up and down the country. It was seen over Dublin. It was seen from Oliver Plunkett Street. It was seen from Patrick Street. And it seems to have something to do with Elon Musk and the Starlink Satellite. At least that's according to Astronomy Ireland's page on X. Because the previous evening, the Starlink satellites, and you'll see them, they're like a little row of lights. And then, of course, in the clear skies we've had all week, they were visible over Skibbereen, it would appear, on Wednesday night. Anybody else see that? Anybody else see it so vividly as Fiona has described it? 0818969696 with the bad weather forecast for the weekend a reminder to take in your pets at night over the weekend uh, with both the cold weather and the storms coming anyone who left a pet out in that last couple of nights I don't think you'd have a pet anymore because that poor misfortune dog would be caught out in that, that god my own little fella went out the other night he got locked out uh, we'd let them out for to do their business around 7 o'clock and they came back in and then I went out at half 7 to get something out of the shed get back in the back door we're pottering around the kitchen I'm finishing some work herself making the dinner and the next thing we know this little white fella is pawing at the back door he's just been out the back garden for 10 minutes he followed me out to the shed and the thick agent forgot to come back in poor Diva was nearly frozen Harry 
after 10 minutes. Imagine leaving a... Mind you, what kind of a cruel individual would leave a dog out in that? Cats are independent republics. They'll come and go as they please. And if they want to be out, let them... Let them out. Let them out. Like. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, take your pets in. Take your pets in. 0818 96 96 96. Listen. Listen. to your favourite shows on the go. Download the Cork's 96FM app. On the phone, my daughter saw this thing in Mallow and she swears a bit of it landed in a field. So if anyone sees anything strange down that neck of the woods, Fiona is also convinced that a bit of this landed in the field down in, in West Cork. I nearly say it's an optical illusion, lads, but there you go. Kathleen, Morning. Good morning, how are you? Good, good. Uh, anyway, I was going to McCroom about five years ago. I was going collecting my nephew. They were playing in a band down there, right? Yeah. And on the way down the road, there was this light in front of me, and I thought it was a garage. You know, there were big, long lights set in, on garages, yes. you know? Yes, yes. But at the further I was going, the light was going too, right? And I kept going, and eventually it was inside in the field. And then when I came to the bridge going into McCroom, uh, it just disappeared. It frightened the life out of me. But the following morning, there was a man on the radio, and he was talking. He saw the same thing, but there was no explanation for it, none whatsoever. Yeah, they seem to be meteors. Yeah, but this was now. Do you know now if you're going to a garage, right? Yeah. And you've got this big long sign right down to the ground. Yeah. That's what it looked. That's what it looked like. Really? Because I thought it. I thought it was a garage <laughs> because I'm not too, too afraid with the road going down there, you know. Yeah. But as the further I was going, that was going to. Right. You didn't see anything last night, did you? I saw nothing last night, but I was inside in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kathleen. I'll leave you in peace, by the uh, Thank bye. you. Bye. Have a nice weekend. 0818969696. Yeah, you see these, they, and they seem to be following you. In reality, they're probably so far away, they're nowhere near Earth, but because they're moving, and you're moving, and you know the rest, but there's two reports now, one from West Cork, from between Bantry and Dreamer League, that it actually landed in a field, and one from Mallow that it landed in the field. And we've another one coming in that it landed in a field somewhere near Cantork. So there's bits of this in fields I'm only missing. But if you saw it, um, ring me though at 1896-9696. Frank says it was definitely aliens. It was aliens, says Frank. Aliens, it was. Because they know if they can take West Corks, they can take, they can take the world. Yes, sir. Student accommodation. It's an ongoing perpetual problem. And it is getting worse, according to the Students' Union at UCC, uh, who say in the paper in the examiner that the shortage of accommodation and excessive rent is leading to people skipping meals, not turning on their heating, not attending lectures because they're going to work couch surfing and dropping out and the students union is calling for the whole thing to be properly regulated and rents to be capped. Haley O'Connell is communications and engagement officer with the students union. Morning Haley. Morning, how are you? It's difficult out there for people. Yeah, it is and I, I think conversations tend to drop off after, you know, the usual influx of students in semester one in September, but unfortunately people are still struggling and 
struggling to find accommodation. We have new students coming over for just the semester. So it's kind of back in our line of thinking all the time, but we wanted to get it back out in the mainstream and try to help students out with the campaign. To the layman, and I stress to to the layman, it looks like everywhere you turn in Cork, there's either more student accommodation open or more student accommodation being built. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I don't even know if it's a case of like, there's not enough property anymore. Um, but just the fact that the ones that are being built are all like private owned accommodation, um, usually vulture fund investments that are completely out of the price point for the average student. So some of them are charging up to 250 euro a week for some of the new ones to the mm-hmm. studio apartments, which obviously no student can afford. So it's pricing people well out of education, out of accommodation. Yeah. And they're they're, they're clearly full, full though. So so who's staying there if it's not the ordinary student? Um, I think a lot of international students who have very little other option when they come over, they get their place here, will stay in these accommodations. Um, and these accommodations, in my opinion, are kind of set up to exploit students, but especially international students who will um, make the money. They'll find the money and pay ridiculous prices because they've got their place here. Mm. And a lot of the time when they come over, they don't know how expensive or how bad it's going to be. Yeah. So it's very like it's very upsetting for us. Um, for someone to come into, you know, UCC and to be made feel like that. It's a very isolating experience for them. What are you hearing from, shall we say, other students, the ones who can't afford that accommodation? What are they dealing with? So a lot of people are commuting. There's a lot of commuters in UCC. Um, I was talking to a student yesterday when we were out giving out the leaflets on tenancy rights who's commuting from Dungarvan, and apparently that's not... Um, that's not a regular. Um, it's a couple of hours commute in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have students commuting from outside of Cork, students who are staying with friends during the week to go to lectures, and then obviously people who are stuck at home, um, which, you know, it's grand for people that can do that or can commute in from their home house. But also, like, reaching this age, you should... I don't think it's an unreasonable request or, like, expectation that when you get to this age, you get to college, that you get to move out. Um, but people just can't really afford that. So people who are living and can be at home are at home, but it's the ones that don't have that option that we are quite worried about because uh, where do they go? (laughs) Are many people using digs? I mean, for a person with a spare room in their house, it's attractive now. You can earn €14,000 in rent without paying any tax. Are, are, Are many people using digs? Yeah, they are, and we're very hesitant to, like, you know, suggest digs to people because obviously like a lot of the time it's the only option and it's it's not that it's a completely unsuitable option for the mm. like current climate we're based in, but it's the lack of regulation in digs. Like there's no legislation protecting those in digs. And I know that um, there's a bill somewhere that was proposed and it's sitting in the government like it's been talked about in, in the doll and I'm hoping that it'll come back and that legislation will be passed. But mm. um anything on that for a while which is quite frustrating when I went to college and I admit Hayley it's not yesterday uh, it's back in the (laughs) 80s um, lots of people many of my friends lived in digs yeah and like again it's not a completely unsuitable option it's just the lack of like legal rights you have there so like for some people that have no issues with their landlords and digs like it's absolutely fine but it's if you have those issues you've very little to fall back on like there's no minimum standards and they don't have the same kind of protections that we've outlined in this like leaflet yeah. we're handing out and we have touched on digs and that just to make people aware that you know 
obviously there's a lot of people renting in digs and yeah. it's a it's a fine option, but you're not entitled to the same rights. I don't think people know that going in. Which yeah. now, I, I remember a few years ago going on a, a walkabout as a reporter with uh, one of your a previous officer in the students' union, um, yeah. and they brought me to places that you wouldn't put a dog into, to be fair. Is that still going on? Yeah, conditions are, are terrible. Um, and like It's because there's no other option. Like people are very afraid to kind of say it to their landlords and um, mold is a massive problem obviously like core college road in particular like houses are just damp yeah they're um, big old houses they're hard to heat and they get damp in the winter they always did yeah they're they're freezing and um hard to heat but we have a lot of that like set out in this leaflet about like reasonable repairs like the way to ask your landlord to carry out repairs and like what you should expect from them and what you're entitled to because you shouldn't be living in a moldy room that's making you sick or like in a damp house like your landlord should help you with that and provide kind of all reasonable things that they can to to aid that and make your living situation comfortable yeah so as a students union you said you have a leafleting campaign going on what are you calling for Hayley? Yeah, so with the leafleting campaign, it's directly for students to inform them of their rights, to signpost them to the likes of Threshold and Black for any like legal issues they have to signpost them to the Students' Union. There's a lot about um, repairs and outstanding bills and charges, deposits, just things that I wish I had known coming in as a student, that we, we did focus groups last year, so things students wish they knew and like ways they wish they knew to talk to their mm-hmm. landlord about things. You, you um, mentioned that, that that yes, it is illegal to charge more than one's rent one month's rent as a deposit, but it's fairly commonplace. I suppose that means, Haley, that if Johnny won't pay it, Mary will. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, there is an obvious element of exploitation going on there because people like people know that students will pay it because they're desperate which isn't right like and it's very scary as a student to kind of in the midst of a housing crisis call these things out because you don't want to be confrontational you want to be like the perfect tenant but you know you are entitled to minimum standards of living like you're a person before you're a student and and lastly uh, can the students union provide services can you advocate for someone what can you do Absolutely. So our welfare officer would deal with all people coming in about accommodation. So we're linked up with loads of services in the area, the ones that I've mentioned. Um, we also send students over. We encourage all our students to join CASU, which is the Community Action Tenants Union. And they do a lot for their members as well in terms of like advocacy and support. And then we also have the accommodation office in UCC. And there's amazing people working there that are always looking to help out students. But I suppose on the back of that, like what we want students to know, we also just want to raise awareness of it again because we don't want the government to think that we forgot we want to see like publicly owned student accommodation being built and we're expecting for the student accommodation strategy paper to be released today i'm not too sure what time it's coming out but apparently it's coming out mm. today so, so, so you want so. you want a student accommodation complex is built maybe to the same standard as the the private ones but you want them to be publicly available as public buildings yeah, and like lower prices, like that they're publicly funded. And they, they don't even have to be like to the same standards of like cleanliness and safety, yes, but like no one needs to see those like games rooms and any of that sort of stuff to, yeah. <laughs> you know, ratify the, the yeah. price. It, okay. It's nice, but it, it's not needed. if It's luxury. It's luxury that you don't need to pay for. You don't need your own built-in gym or anything like that. Hayley, thank you. That's Hayley O'Connell.
who's communications and engagement officer with UCC Students Union. Uh, that shooting star or meteor or whatever it was, it was visible over y'all and in Waterford, where my son lives, says this message. Patrick, I saw it last night too. It wasn't as big as Fiona described it from where she saw, but definitely I noticed a green colour, which I don't see many people talking about. This was around five past six last evening in Whitegate. My daughter saw it in Mallow, and she swears a bit of it landed in a field. Here's a question. I remember we had fun with this a few years ago, and I've long since lost the audio clip from back then, but we got calls one time. It started actually as a Reddit thread, and then we mentioned it here, that from around the Douglas Black Rock area, late at night, the Microsoft tone could be heard. You know this old tune or this tone you used to hear when your computer was booting up. You could hear it very loud late at night around Douglas and up around Frankfield. And we never, I don't think we ever, did we ever, Fergal, did we ever get an answer as to what that was? I don't think we did. (laughs) Someone just messaged this morning to ask, do we still hear it? Do they still hear it in in Douglas? (laughs) Yeah, Fergal's telling me, we never found out exactly what it was, but we think it was a sports complex, possibly Parky Cueve. It seemed to be a computer booting up at a particular time of night, and it was connected to this huge audio system. That's all it had to be. And Parky Cueve seemed to be the biggest audio system around. Uh, and they were rebooting it, and it was connected to the audio system. But it happened over a, a few nights. I remember it being funny at the time. God, you're bringing back a memory. Thanks for that. Yeah, this was it. I managed to dig it out. This was the sound that people were hearing very, very late at night around Douglas, Frankfield, Black Rock. Depended kind of which way the wind was blowing. God, this is a couple of years ago now. That sound, that old computer sound, you'd hear it late at night and no one knew where it was coming from. This... It was frightening the life out of people and getting a great laugh out of it too at the same time. God, that's a memory you brought back. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. On the shooting star, Aoife says she saw it Wednesday night in Ballandlana in Glanmire. Thought it was a shooting star, but then it was coming in really low and it looked as if it had nearly hit the roof of a house. Thanks, Aoife. I imagine if it had hit the roof of a house, we'd probably have heard about it, to be fair. But it looked as if it came down in the field in Dribble League, and it looked as if it came down in the field in Mallow, and Aoife says it looked like it hit a house in Glanmire. It's definitely aliens, Frank, you're right. I really do think you're right. The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. The Two Grand Minute. With Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at corkdentalcare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. A lot of reports day to day. We're not ignoring it. We just we see them coming in and we'd love to talk to anybody who's been affected by it. Down around Belgooli River Stick in towards... Can sail that neck of the woods. There's a spate, or would appear to be a spate, of thefts 
from cars over the last while uh, and people try, cars being broken into at night while they're parked up. There's definitely a spate of it. We're, we're aware of it. Uh, we are aware of the reports. If anybody has been affected, they can call us at 0818969696. 96. We'd love to talk to you. There's hardly a day goes by now, unfortunately, that we don't hear of a business closing. Just seeing in the last 24 hours there, Bauhaus, which was that um, shop in Corn Market Centre, they used to sell candles that were quite famous for their candles and they had vintage quirky sunglasses and crystals and costume jewellery. Lovely shop, very colourful. It's gone. Uh, Bauhaus. Wasn't that a band in the 80s? <laughs> well, Fergal, I think it was. Nice shop. Nice colourful shop. Nice quirky shop. You know those lovely quirky shops that you could spend ages just browsing around? That's gone. And earlier in the week, uh, up on Facebook, Incredible Flowers in Ballincollig announced that, sadly, it was with a, with a heavy heart they will be closing up shop at the end of January. Caitlin, uh, it broke your heart to write that post. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Hi there. Uh, how long have you got the shop? Um, so we actually um, took it over at the beginning of 2023. I think it was running about for two, three years before that. Um, but it was we it was for sale at the beginning of 2023 and we actually took it over then. Okay. What kind of costs are forcing this hard decision? It's just, it's really just the constant um, outgoings of like, every time you get any kind of money in, it's just going out towards all the bills, all the tax, like revenue. Everything's just so high that it just makes it impossible to kind of keep up with everything. You are, you almost need to go into a business with like a large surplus before you can actually do anything. Yeah. Do you have a couple of staff? What's the story? Um, so we were literally only able to run with one staff for the whole year. Um, we actually just couldn't afford to take on anybody else. And because of that, it actually really limited our ability to take on orders as well. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you can't take the orders, you're not going to get the business. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. It's an endless, it's an endless loop. It, that's it exactly. Like, especially even at Christmas time, it's meant to be like our most like fruitful kind of time of year. But because we were only able to afford one staff, we were literally not able to make any income over Christmas. Wow. And when you took it over, had you any idea things were going to get that tough? Ah, uh, to be honest, I think we saw it as a very good um, potential. Like, it's a very unique business. It's something that people generally actually really do enjoy getting mm-hmm. um, because it is so unique um, I think one of the most enjoyable things was delivering to the hospitals because this was something so different you know yes, yeah. um, so like we definitely I think we, we took it over thinking that it would be like extremely pro- like profitable but also something that people will really um, that can actually take off to something bigger um, but what we I don't think we really foresaw that it would be so costly as such yeah yeah, and it's not just wages. Do you say you can only support one staff member, but at least you're supporting a job and a family there. Yeah. That, it's tax. Like, were well, you going yeah. to be affected by this warehouse tax coming up in, in, in May? Uh, we wouldn't have been ourselves. Um, but honestly, the biggest thing is just the fat, because there's this, like, it takes such a large portion of your profit that it, you basically have no profit left over. What does, sorry, Caitlin? The, the fat. Vat, okay, right. Yeah. Okay. What 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 is the vat on flowers? If you don't mind my asking, I don't know. Um. So like this, like, like this is um 
splitted like fruit and stuff like that. So um, for every sale, we were get, we, you'd have 23% of that sale will go towards the tax then. I see. And of course you can't put your prices up to cover no, it. No, well, our prices were already expensive enough because nobody would order we were any more pricey, you know. I know. It's a vicious circle. It's a vicious. It is, exactly. You know, as a business person, you're one of several I've spoken to in just the last week alone. Do you think anybody is listening to your cause, listening to what you're saying about that tax? This, the, do you, and do you feel like no one's listening, Caitlin? You know, like, I really, I don't, I'm going to be very blunt as said. I just, I don't think really people really care. Like, not, like, people care on a local level, but, like, on a on a higher level, I don't think people really care because, like, it, it's all about just, like, there's no there's no actual incentive to get into business these days because how can you get into business? How can you start something? This is us coming from a position where we were just starting off. How can you really start something um, only to find out that it's all just going to go, go, go? Like, we literally had no take-home at the end of the month by the time you're paying rent as well and all the water bills, the city bills, the city tax, the, you know, <laughs> everything. Like, yeah, so rates, I, I suppose. Yeah, every, the city tax rates was another thing as well, and it's just like there's just so much pi- like piled on top of each other. Yeah, because you're, you're in the city now, of course, yeah. being in Ballincollig, and the rates. I mean, what like the rates are huge on a tiny, even on a tiny little place. Yeah, for a tiny little place, like I'd be very, I'd be like, if it's okay, I'd be very um, open. Like I think it was like two thousand euro for like tax for the year, like, and that's on top of all the other taxes, you know. Your rates were two grand, were they for the year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's 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 like you got to you got to make four grand to pay that out. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So what did, what do you do now, Caitlin? Uh, well, at the moment, I think we're probably just going to take a little break. It was a second kind of income. Well, hopefully, it was going to be second income. So I think now it's just kind of closing up shop and replanning and such. I think it's not the end of kind of doing business, but I think really, I think we'll be looking at doing more online business than having a shop because it's more, I think it's actually more profitable, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, which that's not anything anybody wants to hear either. You know, we're all talk, we'll talking about support your local business, support yeah, your exactly, local shop. Exactly. The local shop can't afford to stay open. No, it can't, not at all. Yeah. Your second name, M- My Koo, is My, that My Koo, yeah. That, that's yeah. an unusual one. Yeah, I'm very dangerous. <laughs> That's fabulous, Caitlin. Listen, I'm hard luck, hard luck yeah. to hear that you have to close up. No doubt, okay. with a business head like you have, you will rise again, and something else will will come out of oh, this. I, I, wi- so, yeah. I, I wish you well. Thank you very much. Cheers. That's Caitlin Maiku, owner of Incredible Flowers. Uh, gone, gone as of the end of January, and they're giving out loads of fruit for the rest of the month just to say thank you to everyone who supported them over the years another one gone now this comment doesn't refer to the incredible flowers lady who's on now because there's only one of them however with a lot of them do you not think we have an awful lot of coffee shops and restaurants in particular the successful ones are expanding because they offer maybe a better product and longer hours or maybe people get used to using the business because they've got a good delivery service it's just a thought I feel sorry for anyone that goes through a closure, though. Yes, yeah, it's the big... And this is what Karen Underwood, for example, earlier in the week was saying. She said, look, the big chains, the big brands, the big international, um, they'll all, they'll survive. The Starbucks of the world, and they'll all survive. 
the Nando's of the world, the McDonald's, they'll all, they'll all be fine. It's the small guy, the little guy, with the little place that's putting a huge effort in. They're the ones that are struggling here. But thank you for that. 0818969696. On the strange things you might see at night in the sky. Kate says, do you remember the lady in England? They staged an alien landing in her garden and it went viral. She had such a belief in aliens, she didn't bat an, an eyelid. She invited them in for, for a cup of tea. No, Kate, I don't remember that one, but thank you. Um, <laughs> no, the, the strangest person I ever had on the programme from England was a woman who married a ghost. Do you remember that? A couple of years ago. This woman was on to me. She actually married a ghost. And we had a great chat about marrying a ghost. Um, particularly how they went about consum- consummating the marriage. It's there somewhere you'll find it. This is sad news. Ireland's oldest person has passed away at the age of 109. Her name was Kitty Jeffrey, And she died a few months after her 109th birthday. She passed away surrounded by her loving family at Cork University Hospital on Thursday. She grew up in Glenville, then moved to Middleton, uh, where she uh, set up home with her husband, George. They had uh, three children, uh, four children, Anne, George, Ivor and Norman. And she will be lovingly remembered. She became Ireland's oldest woman when the previous holder of that title uh, passed away. She went to school in North Cork, worked in a shop in Queen's Old Castle, and that's where she met her husband. The late Kitty Jeffrey, Ireland's oldest person, passed away at the age of 109. May she rest in peace. Callahan brings you the best music mix on Oldies and Irish. Every Sunday from midday on Cork's 96FM. Welcome along to the programme. Great to have your company on a Sunday. As I say, it's a privilege. Hopefully you can join me. Tune it up and take it easy with a big show on your radio. It's the perfect Sunday soundtrack. In Irish with Dario Callahan. Every Sunday from midday to 2 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. 0818969696 the number the text whatsapp 0833969696 and you email opinion at 96fm.ie over the weekend that email is manned or should we actually do we have to say now in 2024 that email is personed at the weekend I don't know but anyway it is something we look at it at the weekend so if you want to get us at the weekend anything you want to draw our attention to opinion at 96fm.ie I remember yesterday I was asking about the the bottle tax, uh, the plastic bottle charge and the bringing it back and getting the money back and all of that. There's a fabulous article in today's Irish Independent about pretty much every question you might want to ask about it. But the one I wanted to know yesterday was why can't you do the sensible thing and crush them down small? like you do before you put them into the recycling bin at home. Why can't you just, I twist them up into a little t- and put them in and you get like 
tin bottles in. You crush the cans, put down under your foot and crush. No, if you do that, you get no money back. If you do that, you can't put them in the machine. The reason being that this new barcode that's on them won't be readable. So if you if you crush the can or squash up the bottle to make it smaller, which is practical, of course, you won't be able to read the barcode and you won't get no money back. Um, that's the answer. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, always at this time of the year, middle to end of January, the, the wallet is lighter than it was a month ago, considerably lighter. And the pants is just a little bit tighter. <laughs> of course it is. Christmas and New Year, we, we tend to overdo it slightly. So everyone's trying to shed those couple of kilos they picked up over Christmas. And yeah, you can go down to a gym and you can bait the hell out of yourself on a... On a... What do you call them? Walking machine, elliptical exercise machine, whatever. Um, or you can pound the roads, or you can push weights, or you can go swimming, or you can do lots of stuff that you normally wouldn't do. But you can also just watch what you're eating and look at what you're eating. And without being full, or sorry, without being hungry... You can actually eat better things, um, like pe- better better cuts of chicken, better cuts of meat, more vegetables. Uh, and in a minute, I'll take a look at what they do around the world to maybe watch their health and watch their weight and watch their diet and nutrition. But uh, Jack, the chef from Ireland AM, joins me because they did their whole breakfast show, Virgin Media did their whole Ireland AM show from the Opera House this week. And of course, Jack had to be involved. And you introduced them something to something called Duck a la Tanora. Come on now. <laughs> Duck, like, I'm sure you had to tell them first because anyone outside of the county bounds has to be told what Tanora is to start with. Morning, Jack. Good morning, PJ. PJ, I actually had to send them a mood board of what Tanora was. A little bit of snippet from Wikipedia links to their links to different uh, Google photos of, of bottles of Tanora to be like, this is something from Corky. You probably have never heard of it, and I'm going to cook duck in it. <laughs> Look, it was funny and it was delicious, so isn't that all that matters, really? Yeah, I'll get the recipe off you in a minute. But duck, is duck a healthy meat, for example, Jack? Ah, no, look, not necessarily, it wouldn't be, no. Um, look, the way I look at kind of healthy eating and stuff, I'm not a great example as a chef, but over the years I've had the absolute pleasure of working with some jeepers, phenomenal um, nutritionists, um, a lady named Ashton Larkin, you'd see her on the 6 o'clock show on Virgin Media, uh, she's an absolute great nutritionist, and another one, Neve Urbinski, um, nutrition, my nutritionist, nutrition with Neve on Instagram, she's called. Both have two completely different approaches to healthy eating and stuff, but like, to make... <laughs> Duck wouldn't be the healthiest of meats. It's high in fat. Mm. But like from what I've learned from working closely with nutritionists, the key to healthiness is sustainability and to be able to sustain a healthy diet for the rest of your life. It's not just something that you force upon yourself in January by eating bland mush and grain that gets stuck in your teeth and all these different seeds like an old robin outside in the wall. You know, yeah. you've got to eat stuff that you enjoy eating. It has to be healthy. You know, the key to healthy eating is moderation. You know, um, and that's what I always say. If you want to have duck, if you crave duck, eat duck. Just don't serve it with a big massive bowl of mashed potato with tons of cream and butter going through it. No matter how tasty it's going to be, mm. serve it with maybe some nice spiced brown rice. Do you know, do an Asian style duck and pancakes. 
something a bit more lighter, a bit more um, kind of easier on the uh, on the stomach and lower in carbs, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I always kind of try when it comes to healthy stuff. You know, I don't go out of my way to write like a healthy recipe. I'll just structure my dinner plate or I visualize my dinner plate in a kind of a specific way. And I only make little changes to what I would normally have. Let's say I wanted spaghetti bolognese mm. tonight, but I wanted to kind of lose weight if there was something coming up or just wanted to kind of set off on a new kind of lifestyle. I just make little changes. We're big spaghetti bolognese fans in Coogan Towers. What would you put into the bolognese to sort of make it a little less of a sin? So I'd swap the normal white pasta for brown pasta, right? That's one change. It's a very, very, very easy way of, I wouldn't say, I don't like to say losing weight quickly because that's very unhealthy as well uh, and it's bad for your mental health. And Remember that as well. When you're eating healthy, your head also needs to be healthy at the same time, not just your body. But um, brown pasta, really, really easy, whole grain, helps uh, kind of higher in fibre. Mm. Uh, Does it not it, taste it like shredded cardboard? Look, when you serve it with a, a with a wet pasta like a bolognese, it won't. And the other thing is, then the bolognese, then, like, don't be worrying about turkey mince, chicken mince, or all these low-fat minces, right? St- stick, to, stick to beef mince. Just get your steak beef mince, beef mince that maybe has, like, 5% fat in it rather than the, the really, really... If you notice, the cheapest mince in the supermarket has yeah. about 20% fat in it, which that's an incredibly high level of fat. Like, that's... <laughs> that's 20%. That's a lot. It's perfect for burgers and stuff, for big, greasy burgers, but for bolognese... It's not so good, especially when you're trying to be healthy. So try and keep the fat content low, the mince. And then keep with your cans of tomatoes, your good quality tomatoes and so on. Loads of garlic, loads of onions, loads of celery. Cook that off first. Get your meat in, brown it off. Add your one or two cans of good quality chopped tomatoes or uh, tomato passata or whatever. Mm. Cook it down. Little bit, little bit of honey or maple syrup to sweeten, a bit of salt. Yeah. And that's it. Those, those, those chopped tomatoes in the tins, Jack, are they, are, yeah. are they not loaded up with sugar and salt? They are, you see, but the the thing is, you still need sugar and salt in your diet, and the amount that's in those cans, especially if if you have two to three people, kind of having a bolognese, one can is enough. The amount of sugar that's in that, it's not going to set you off the Richter scales. You know, it's not yeah. going to put on three stone of of fat. It's it's the it's the five packets of M and M's when you're sitting down in front of the TV at night. That's what's going to do the damage. Do you know what I mean? And people blame the bolognese and the, and the bit of sugar in the tomatoes. Keep eating your dinners as normal. Make G- guilty, change. Judge. Guilty. Like guilty just swap the easiest step, PJ. I know this is a hard thing to do, but just set yourself a challenge for a week and watch. Just watch your progress. Just cut out the snacking. Right. Change all your your chocolatey sweet treats. Change milk chocolate to dark chocolate. And then for your dinners. Just simple as change white carbohydrates to brown carbohydrates. So instead of your standard rooster potato, your curd pink or whatever, go sweet potato. Instead of white rice, go brown rice. Instead of white pasta, go brown pasta. Instead of sliced white slice pan, go brown bread. And just just watch the difference. The higher fiber is way better for you. Tons better for you. It fills you up so you feel fuller for longer. Yeah. Um, you tend to have more energy as it releases more energy slowly, slower throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just, that's something that I'd always follow. Um, the Canadians actually have a great way of teaching this in schools. Um, they have almost, they put up pictures of plates on the walls of schools and how your place for your lunch or dinner should be structured. And they believe in a rule of quarters. So two quarters of a plate is fruit and vegetables, no matter what your dinner is. Okay. Two quarters of that plate has to be fruit or vegetables. One quarter brown wholemeal carbohydrates. So that's your brown rices, your quinoa and so on. And then the, other, the last quarter of the plate is is protein, 
But that protein can be high fat proteins like salmon or mince or whatever. Could be sausages. Doesn't matter because you need that fat in your life as well. Yeah. So if you cut out all fats, you're going to feel that you're kind of slower. You don't have as much energy because like likes of fat and stuff in food, especially good natural fats are in salmon or in chicken legs and duck and so on. That's like petrol for the human body. Yeah. This is the thing whereby you should never. I heard the term over Christmas time. Jack, and I'd never heard it before. If you are trying to clean up your diet for one to a better age, don't villainize any food group because we need them all. 100% PJ, thank you. That, like, it's too early in the morning now for me. <laughs> Typical chef, I can't come up with the, those kind of inspirational sentences. But that's it. And like, as I'm going to say again, like, when, you, when you're trying to be healthy, it's not just about your body and your appearance. What's going on in the inside, inside in the old noggin, or inside in the body as well, is so much more important than your appearance. If you lose it above in the noggin, there's no point. You know what I mean? And by people starving themselves and eating cardboard, stuff that makes themselves miserable, they're not going to stick at it. They're just going to do it for two to three weeks, lose a ridiculous amount of weight too quickly that's not sustainable, and yeah. it's all going to balloon back again once you go back on the pints in the pub. Do you know what I mean? Kate makes a point, and I don't know, is it truth or myth? And she's voicing it. She said, what would you recommend for young families on a tight budget, because some of it sounds expensive. There's a belief out there, Jack, that the healthy stuff is way dearer than the gunk. Look, and if you were to follow social media trends and the stuff that you see on, on social media and TV that the kind of, let's say, the, the celebrity chefs and like myself and stuff promote, yes, it can be, because we don't look at food as it's an expense, it's an investment in your waistline. You know what I mean? Mm. So we don't like. I wouldn't look at a bag of five euro ingredient and go, that, "That's expensive." I just go, "Oh, delicious." But yes, they can be right. However, um, you know, like a bag of brown rice in your local supermarket is in around the same price as the bag of white rice. Okay. The bag of brown pastas. You don't have to go organic. Yes, organic is better, and it's good to know that a farmer or producer put tons of effort into their products to make it organic. It's it's a good thing to know when you're eating it, but it doesn't make it any more healthy yeah. scientifically, I suppose. Um, you know, And once that label goes on a product, it jumps up in price by 200%. Yeah. So you don't have to go for the really fancy stuff, the name brands. You know, your normal budget ingredients is completely fine, you know. Um, and as I said, just make simple changes. We're, we're, we're big rice. fans of rice in, in our house. We eat quite a lot of rice. I Particularly, I... I, I even prefer it to spuds on three or four or five different dishes a week if I had it. But the problem with brown rice, Jack, is it? it's like eating the bottom of a budgie's cage. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it, all right. it doesn't mush up as well. Look, and, it, and you know what as well I notice in the evening, especially when you come home from work and you're tired, it takes a lot longer to cook. Than it does? Food. Yeah. A lot longer to cook. Um, you know, can, you, can, you, can you prepare it in a way that won't? Um, not necessarily, no, look. Can you of, steep it? Like, the way I have it, I'm not proud of it. I actually use the microwavable stuff quite a lot. And I know that's awful for a chef to say, but I have such little time at home that it's either it's either use a bag of microwavable rice or go to the chipper. That's my options. Because <laughs> like, if, you're, if you're willing, if you need to get at least six hours sleep, I have to have something in me within five minutes of arriving in the door. Yeah. You know, so it, it, I have to settle for the, the bags of microwavable rice. And I usually use the, the brown ones or the mixed grain one that will have like quinoa and stuff going through it. So you're getting a mix of different grains. 
Um, but no, you're 100% right. Um, well, I find with the microwave stuff, though, because it's so cooked, and then when you recook it again, it's even softer. You know, yeah. it's less bitty than the stuff that you cook yourself. Um, I, my rule with kind of brown rice is in particular, I do. let's say you take one mug of brown rice, put it into your cold saucepan, and then I'd put maybe at least three cups of cold water on the top of it. And what I'll always do is, you know when you're like, if you're making like a, a jemison and ginger and you have some lime squeezed uh-huh. and it's spare, uh-huh. and rather than just throwing it in the bin after you have a juice, take that, I keep those lime scraps in little Ziploc bags in the freezer because they're great for adding flavour to stews and stuff mm. rather than throw them in the bin and you're reducing food waste and so on. Take one of those lime bits, chuck it into the pot with it, bring the water up to a boil, so yeah. once it starts bubbling, pop a lid on and then reduce the heat down to like a medium to low and leave it there for about 10 minutes until the water evaporates. It's absolutely amazing. Ooh. And the lime gives the brown rice a bit of flavour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah, that. The other thing with the brown rice is because it has a husk on it. Yeah. If you're serving with a curry or something, the curry flavour doesn't soak into it as well as it does with white rice. That's right. That's right. But, and, you know, you can create that almost like curry baby bowl effect. No. <laughs> that oh, we love so don't, much don't, here in this country. Don't, don't. Uh, yeah, I know. I could give it out to for that. But, so, yeah, and you could put a bit, like, I often put a bit of, um, you know, these stock blocks, the stock, stick yeah, them in with the rice. Can you put one of those in with the brown rice as well? I love the Oh, you can't. You can, of course, but just be aware as well. Those stock blocks are incredible; have an incredibly high salt content. I was like some of them, some brands brand themselves as low sodium. I'm thinking ones. about the jelly ones. You know the jelly ones in the little pouch. Oh yeah, fine. They're they're perfectly. They have a normal enough salt content in them. Yeah, pop it in. Yeah. Gives your rice tons and tons of flavour. And even Super. as you on Ireland, I actually co- I actually cooked my parsnips in a pot of simmering stock, and I just used a stock pot. That's all. Pop it into the water, and it gives your veggies tons of flavour when you're cooking them. Come back, lastly, to the duck a la Tanora. Like, <laughs> you could do it with chicken, I suppose, if you only had chicken around. We're big, we're big consumers of chicken thighs in Coogan Towers. Um, but duck a la Tanora, tell me more, young man. Oh, look, it was just a bit of fun. I was sitting at home and I was kind of scratching my head because I knew that the outside broadcast was coming. It was a big deal being in Cork, being home. You know, like I had my back to the streets of Cork where I grew up cooking in all the different restaurants around the like Greens and McCurtain Street and I could nearly when I, when I was half asleep yesterday morning I could only turn around and see Jack 10 years ago walking across Patrick's Bridge in the cold and the rain on his way to work after finishing a long day in college but I just knew it had to be something proper something good something funny um, but also something delicious and easy to do at home and we were just brainstorming at home and my sister just said would you not do something with Tenora and I went Tenora how could I what would I do with Tenora? And it, the, the penny just dropped and I just went, <laughs> to no, duck a la Tenora. And I just giggled to myself like a, like a toddler that it's after doing something bad. And I went, that's it now. And then I spent the next day figuring out how I'm going to do duck a la Tenora. And so how just, do you do it? It just worked out. So all I did was I just took a, a saucepan, a, a big saucepan with a lid, had all my duck legs. Now, I, you could use chicken legs, perfectly fine. Or you could actually, you know what? this would be epic with a full chicken. And it has to be phenomenal with a ham. I know we're out, probably finished with our ham now since Christmas, Ooh, but it'd be class nice. on ham. Sounds nice. Um, but big saucepan, and all I did was I put it on a nice medium heat, and then I popped in some cinnamon sticks into that saucepan on kind of with nothing else, and toasted the cinnamon a little bit so some flavour came out of it. And then I popped in my duck, popped in the tenora, popped in a sprig of rosemary and a sprig of thyme, brought it up to a simmer, popped the lid on it, and just left it simmer away for forty-five minutes, nice and gentle. Once the duck was really soft and almost falling off the bone, I scooped it out, put it onto an oven tray and popped it into a hot oven uh, at 200 and, about 200 degrees Celsius for about 10 to 15 minutes until it was dark and crispy. And that was it. And then I decided to serve it with mashed potato, sautéed parsnips and kale. But like at home, 
it, it's endless what you could do with with that duck or chicken or whatever meat that you decide to use. Or if you've any listeners out there that are into you're going off doing a bit of hunting at the weekend, finding yeah. wild food, a pheasant pigeon be phenomenal inside. <sighs> Absolutely amazing. You know, and I was even thinking yesterday when I was eating it myself, going, some Chinese pancakes with some shredded lettuce, some shredded carrot, uh, and a bit of garlic and ginger and some bean sprouts on a Chinese pancake with the pull duck and some sriracha. Oh, what yeah. What a class. Now you're recipe. talking. And just you pull c- the meat off the duck then with a fork. Could you put the tenora, you know the way you make a sauce and you reduce down the ingredient, could you put yeah. tenora into a sauce and reduce it down? Oh, yeah, you could. You can, of course. Like, so... And it's actually good because then you don't need to add sugar because there's enough sugar in it. And if any of those, uh, I like to call them full fat soft drinks, the ones with the coke, not the or not ones with sugar, not with uh, the, uh, the sugar free ones, you can actually put it onto a saucepan and simmer it. And after about maybe ten to fifteen minutes, it'll actually be a syrup because you boil off the water and you leave <laughs> behind the sugar syrup with all that intense flavors inside in it. So you can make some great sauces with it by just reducing it down. I put it onto a hob. Uh, maybe put a, a dash of balsamic vinegar into it just to kind of balance out the, the sweetness because you don't want a sugary, sugary sauce. Yeah. Uh, and maybe and just reduce it down into a syrup and then just finish it off with a little bit of stock of whatever meat you're cooking. So if you're wanting for a chicken dish, just a little bit of chicken stock from a stock you poured into it and it'll make a delicious kind of tangerine-flavoured glaze. But as well as that, if you take sonora and simmer it down into, into like a, a glaze, almost like a honey consistency, and brush it onto your, your duck as it's finished roasting your chicken, you have a tenora glazed chicken then at home. How more cork can you get and then stuff it with black pudding? <laughs> Jack, this is the problem. I love having you on the show, but every time you're on, I'm sitting here at, at the moment now, it's 25 past 10, and I can eat the top of the table. Always, always good to talk to you. Jack O'Keefe, Ireland AM. Uh, chef and back in Cork now after many years playing his trade up and down the country. I- I'd love to have that man cook for me. I really would. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Paul was on about on voice note about an alternative to steak mince. I presume this is like something for bolognese. Go on, Paul. If steak mince isn't available to make a bolognese or anything else like that, get the ordinary mince. When you have cooked it off and get ready to put all your sauces and your uh, everything else into it. Just pick up the lid of a saucepan that's wide enough to cover half the, half the pan. Pick up the pan, stick the lid over it, pour all that fat out into a little cup or a, or a jar and let that set there in it to be thrown out later on. The ordinary mince is just as good as tasty and tasty as the steak mince if you can't get a hold of steak mince. Nice one, Paul. And you could also keep that fat, I suppose, and probably cook the fry in it at the weekend. Which totally defeats the purpose of trying to eat more healthy, but there you go. 0818969696. Stephen put together a list for us of stuff that they eat around the world that is very healthy in the diets. And I'll try and get to some of them before we finish up today. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Middleton GAA Wagpies present Showtime, a night of song and laughter on Saturday the 27th of January in Middleton GAA Club. Hosted by Richie Hayes and featuring Billy Jean's RDC, Dots Tobin, Studio D and many more. Funds raised in aid of St. Vincent de Paul for families affected by the flooding. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Punch 96 FM.
Good question about the bottle and cans tax. What about food cans, PJ? Dog food, beans, etc. Are they no? They're not included. Just drinks cans, soft drinks and alcohol, beer and stuff. Beer, West Coast Cooler, Red Bull and Coca-Cola, Fanta, whatever you have in yourself. Uh, Guinness, um, they are all included. But dog food and beans, no. No, unfortunately. 0818 96 96 96. But questions coming, and we'll try to answer all your questions over the next couple of weeks because it's going to be a big change for us. I spoke to this fella before. The, the Irish takeover of Australia, we are colonising the place and taking it over by stilt. I was chatting earlier in the week to a man who is the Irish consul in Western Australia. And Nathan Conroy, you and I spoke before. You are in your third term as mayor of Frankston. Where is Frankston? Morning, Nathan, or good evening in your part of the world. It is good evening. Uh, good morning to you, PJ. Frankston is in the southeast of Melbourne. Uh, it's in Victoria, Australia. Okay. Okay, it's where my daughter's headed then in about a month's time to Melbourne. And you went, you're over there from Mayfield. Where are you from? How long are you over there? Uh, I'm into my 13th year, so 12 going into my 13th year. Right. Originally from Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. Born and raised in um, Ballandurry and Lee Grove and then over to a Bandoff area. Um, which is, it was County Cork at that time, but now it's Cork City as well. Mm-hmm. My mother loved it. She used to say, I'm in County Cork, <laughs> but now it's now it's the city as well. <laughs> and what took you to Australia for the first time? Was it just, I'll suck it and see for a year? Yeah, basically, I think. Uh, so my auntie uh, and my brother and his girlfriend, we all, the four of us, left. And I was left here after about six weeks by myself. Uh, and there was no way I was going home. I decided to stay for um, two years, and I wasn't going home regardless within those two years. So I had to do my my three or four months farming. You know, you had to work jobs like washing dishes and things like that. But I, I knew that I was staying here for two years no matter what. There's thousands now of young people all over Australia at a figure earlier in the week, it's like 21,000 people alone in 2023 gone out there on these uh, one-year visas, which you can turn into two by doing a bit of a bit of regional work. What's the attraction, Nathan? The attraction is that you have opportunities like myself coming over here 12 years ago, uh, born and <laughs> raised in Mayfield and now running uh, for Australian Parliament. That's the attraction. What you can achieve over here, I'm not trying to sound big-headed, is if, if you come over here and you do your farming and you stay here for two years and you work your um, backside off, the opportunities are there. Like, this is the first time in the history of Frankston City that a mayor has been re-elected three times. And it's this big, burly Irishman from Mayfield that happens to be the mayor who done it. And now I've been chosen to be the candidate for one of the parties over here to run for Australian Parliament wow. in a I, by-election, which is the biggest political um, election in the country right now. The little guy from Mayfield is the guy. It's, 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 a, it's an it's amazing story, Nathan. And I'll get to that running for Parliament 
in just a sec. But I want to talk about becoming mayor. How did all that start? So my wife is born and raised in Frankston now. And I, the last time I spoke to you, PJ, I didn't have a son. And now my little boy, Callan, is born in Frankston Hospital. So I have a huge connection to the area. And like everyone else, I decided to put up my hand for local government because I was unhappy. You know, I, I truly believe if you're going to start complaining, if you're going to be annoying, and my wife said, stop it. If you're going to start complaining, put up your hand. And I did. And then I ran for election and never thought I could, being this immigrant in Australia, never thought I could actually win the election, let alone get the highest vote in the entire city. And then... What? First you day, topped the poll. Yes. Yes, there was... In all the seats in all over the city, I got the highest vote in the entire city. And I was the only one to get elected on number one vote. So they're called first preference vote. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so the, minute that, the minute I got elected, I became deputy mayor of the city. And now three terms consecutively as mayor has never happened ever before. And people say to me, do you not know what you've achieved? And I'm like... I was still just shocked, shocked, very humbled, obviously, yeah. very grateful for my colleagues and the people who put their faith into me. But by putting the faith into me, I have worked extremely hard to make sure that I represent the people who actually put me in there yeah. every day, day and night. And did you have a public profile before you went for the for politics? No, you, I, what did no. you do? What, 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 what was your job? How, how, how did you get your face out there in the first place? Well, I didn't work in Frankston City. I worked in non-for-profits and, and helping sports clubs and membership-based organizations, you know, who are underperforming to turn them around, improve their finances or improve their membership, give them a strategic direction. So there was nothing, my connection to Frankston City wasn't because of my job. It's because I lived there and because of my family. And we decided to campaign. And when we decide to do anything, we do it 100%. Um, and it was in the middle of COVID, so you couldn't knock on people's doors. So you had to switch. So everyone else was trying to do the same traditional campaigning. And I went online. We went onto socials. We asked people to get involved. We um, did all the traditional stuff as well. But at the same time, we, we used this thing called social media um, and resonated with people. And people... The first time I, I put up a post, it was all negative. It was everything from you're only a blow in, uh, you know, go back to where you came from, etc. And then there was this swell of positivity towards the end. And I was confident at the end. And even my wife's mother turned around to me and said, you know, you mightn't get elected. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But I, at least I've done it the best I can do. And then I get the I topped the poll in the throughout the city, which was awesome. This is this is a wonderful, wonderful story. Now, how did the, 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 the go back to where you came from thing, do you get, is that something that, because with so many Irish going to Australia now, they go back to where you came from, is there much of that? Look, there's, there's not really, it's like everywhere else, you know, um, there's a little bit because people are disgruntled or the cost of living is too much or whatever it may be. But overall, that where I'm from in Frankston, the Irish and the British uh, moved here and built this place. So it is very white Anglo-Saxon, kind of Irish-English 
Um, so they res- they all have a connection to us. So it might be a generation or two or three be back, but the minute I speak to people and the minute I say I'm Irish or they hear the accent, straight away people are, have this sense of calm. They just talk to me. And I can get things out of people um, that no one else can. I bet you it, could. It I me. bet you could. So talk to me now about this this by election because I know that you're 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 friendly with um, Deputy Colin Borker. I think you might have canvassed for him at one point or another. Um, you you'll if, if you know anything about me, you'll know that I'm a political geek and I'm so looking forward to a year of elections here. But the <laughs> how did you come to run for the the national parliament? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, uh, uh, under sad circumstances, because a, a, a woman who was a strong advocate, not the same party as me, but she was a strong advocate in, in the community here, uh, passed away of cancer. Um, and it, it created this by-election. And I was three-term mayor, wasn't really interested. Um, and just things just lined up. And I was getting phone calls saying, you have the profile, you're a three-term mayor, you, you know, you're, you're authentic, you, you try your best, and you're out in the community, we want you. So I said, okay. And then when I said, okay, I still had to go through this uh, pre-selection process with three or four other candidates. And then the local members, um, I think there was 200 on the day, choose the person. Uh, again, I got about 60% of that vote as we well. Call that, we, we call that um, coming through convention. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so I came through convention um, and I got a pretty big, pretty big result. Um, and it was because of the story. It's because of that kind of, this is what Australia is about. It, you can come from Mayfield. The island, the island of opportunity. You can work hard and you can make it and I'm so close now to representing the people of Dunkley uh, and Frankston City is it's a part of Dunkley in the Australian Parliament when, when which, is polling day is it's March 2nd March it just was announced today we didn't know beforehand but it was announced today it's going to be six weeks I think tomorrow March 2nd and that would be a Saturday so they'd be counting those votes I'm just I'm just thinking ahead here now and thinking out loud so March the 2nd is a Saturday which means they'll count the votes on a Sunday so assuming no no we we will have the uh, we will have the results that nice quickly yeah I would say so yeah oh I would say keep your diary open for the 4th of March, because I'd be very interested to hear how you get on. Who, who are the other candidates? Um, there was another local woman for the for Labour, the Labour Party, and then there's an, a bunch of other small, small party candidates. So it really comes down to um, if the people choose me or choose Labour, it's one or the other. And uh, that's what it will ultimately come down to. All right, listen, I'm, I'm so... Delighted to talk to you. You've got a wonderful, wonderful story. And, and like you said, a young man from Ballandary Park is now looking at becoming a member of the Australian Parliament. On this, it could happen for you on the 2nd of March. And that, I think, is what... You answered my first question. I said to you, what's the draw of the young Irish people who are all going to Australia? It is the land of opportunity. Yes, it is. It is. Wow. Simply, it is. There's obviously uh, issues here, like there is in Ireland and 
everywhere else. But the the thing about it over here is if you put your head down and work, um, and play by the rules, is possible. They love absolutely. rules. Absolutely, they love rules. That's the one message. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. We lived through those rules for a number of years. <laughs> Nathan, I wish you luck. Lads, put a note in the diary for the 4th of March. I would love to be talking to a new member of the Australian Parliament who comes from Mayfield. I think it would be just a wonderful story. I will talk to you anyway, win, lose, or draw on the 4th of March. Would you be up for that? Of course. Nathan. Uh, Obviously, I, I'm in it to win it. Good and I man. will be the next member for Dunkley if the people believe that I can represent them in Canberra, the capital of Australia. And I know there's a radio station, I think they call it Gold 103, is a big station there in Melbourne, and Christian O'Connell runs the breakfast show. I, I, I'm going to have to listen to that over that weekend. Nathan, best of luck in the election. Uh, great to catch up. That's a fantastic story. Nathan Conroy from Ballandelli Park in Mayfield, running for Parliament in the constituency of Dunkley uh, in Melbourne in Australia. Book him in, lads, for the 4th of March. Hi there, Troy Tuberty here. Be part of my new adventure this Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. I'll have something for everyone with a mixture of conversation, laughter and great music. Talk to you this Sunday from 10am. The Ryan Tuberty Show on Sunday in association with High and I. For every kind of driver, there's a High and I. Find yours at highandi.ie. Cork's 96FM. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Earth to Protect, we hear about a collective effort to address and mitigate the impact of food and waste within the tourism sector. The Waste Not, Want Not conference was launched this week. The conference responds to the alarming statistic that more than one quarter of the global food production is wasted, contributing significantly to climate change, with food loss and waste responsible for 8-10% to 10% of greenhouse gas emissions. Visit Cork Sustainability Lead Catherine Fitzpatrick explains. Visit Cork are launching the conference that's being held on the 31st of January um, in the Photo Wildlife Park. Um, they've built a new education, conservation and research centre there. So that's where we're, we're doing the conference. Um, the conference is being organised in partnership with the local authorities, with Cork City Council, uh, Council and Cork County Council. Um, and it's being funded by the Regional Waste Management Planning Offices through the Green Hubs Fund. So the purpose of the conference is to invite the tourism and hospitality industry to come along. Um, Visit Cork will do their industry update to talk about acti- their activities last year and their plans for 2024. Um, and one of the major themes for, for 2024 is sustainability. Um, so we're looking at bringing together, we've brought together a number of speakers um, with some great panellists and experts who will talk about sustainability in the tourism industry and we'll put a focus on uh, the food, uh, food sector and food Sustainable tourism is defined by the UN Environment Programme and UN World Tourism Organisation as tourism that takes full account of its current and future economic, social and environmental impacts, addressing the needs of visitors, the industry, the environment and host communities. Catherine explains how sustainability initiatives impact the tourism sector. Part of what we're doing is in relation to the stats uh, that, that show that actually, you know, globally and nationally, food waste is a massive issue. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, the, the food service sector and the restaurants and, and hotel sector um, uh, really generate an, an awful lot of food waste. 
Um, the EPA estimated that Ireland generated 753,000 tonnes of food waste in 2021 and 25% of that total came from restaurants and food services. So, And a lot of it is, is unnecessary waste. Um, so I guess what we're, what we're trying to um, help people to understand in the sector is that, you know, even without spending any money, if you can avoid unnecessary waste, there are great savings to be made there as well. Um, and in fact, the idea of bringing everybody together is to talk about, you know, best practices to understand, you know, where people have managed to do that already um, to, to save money by reducing waste um, and really to inspire people and let them know where supports are available as well. So how big of a problem is food waste in the tourism sector? There was a, a report published in 2019 called the Reducing Commercial Food Waste in Ireland report um, and that found that um, in fact the hotels are one of the, the, the primary um, the one, hotels are, are, are one of the um, one of the sectors that actually have the, the highest levels of food waste. Actually over 66% of food waste um, from the food services sector is avoidable um, and the cost of that food waste what people don't necessarily think about the cost the food waste, but the cost to the, the hotel sector alone is estimated to be, you know, over 300 million euros. Um, so actually, you know, what, what we're seeing is, you know, obviously hotels and, and, and restaurants and, and um, businesses in general, you know, buying in food and, and actually that food is being purchased, um, put on a plate and then often just thrown out again afterwards, you know. So, um, so there are real cost savings to be made as well as everything else, as well as obviously the, the message that, you know, that it's the right thing to do um, to, to avoid food waste, you know, both for the environment and, you know, from a social perspective. How can people get involved in the Waste Not Want Not conference? So registration is online um, if you follow any of the, the partners on social media um, but primarily on the purecork.ie website. There's a banner page at the top there. Uh, registration is free um, but people can opt to make a five euro donation to the education and conservation activities in Porto Wildlife Park. That's where we're hosting the event. Um, the, the conference is a, a full morning uh, starting with registration at nine going through until two o'clock and um, there'll be great networking available so uh, we already you have good numbers registered so, so places are limited um, but uh, people can go online and register now To learn more on Waste Not Want Not look at visitcork.ie or check the show notes of this episode Hours to Protect brought to you by Cork's 96FM the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info I don't know if you were watching um, First Dates last night. There was a thank you, by the way, Katie, for hours to protect. I don't know if um, you were watching First Dates, but there was a moment in it last night, um, like small world, you know. I mean, seriously, small world, and it could only kind of happen in Ireland. It was gas. More about that and plenty more else uh, after the news. Uh, we'll go back to EVs as well. Remember yesterday morning there was having a bit of a laugh about Chicago where all the EVs seem to be packing up in the cold come back to EVs and are they depreciating, do they misbehave in the cold and more about this lovely app that seems to be in EVs where they'll turn themselves on and warm themselves up for you before you come out in the morning that had nearly convinced me to buy one actually The Minds are live 
Join the conversation. Call 0818 969 9696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. Did I hear that right? Or has my head gone to mush? So Vladimir Zelensky gets eight grand a year and Michael D is on 300 and something grand a year. I would think that Mr. Zelensky has a slightly busier schedule and a bit riskier job than Michael D. Nothing against Michael D now. Wow, (laughs) that's some survey. President of Ireland is the second highest paid president in all of Europe and then the lowest paid is Volodymyr Zelensky on eight grand a year. Like that's that's not even the minimum wage, lads. You know? Wow. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six the number of the text to WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. The email has opinion at ninety six of M dot IE. I must get that table actually of who's paid what what country? I mean, how much do they pay their TDs? I know it's so. How much do Ukrainian TDs get paid? How much do Spanish TDs get? I know that. Stop now before you start ringing over. Not a TD. I know. But how much do they get paid? That's interesting. To Pa the Piper. Is that Pa who plays the pipes at the GA matches? A pal of Jonty's. Pa the Piper is 80 today. 80. Nice roundy birthday for Pa the Piper. Give him a salute. Next match you're at. On the cans and the bottles and all this, a lot of people saying now that when it comes in and if it's a success, they'll pass it on to cardboard and they'll pass it on to milk cartons and they'll pass it on to everything and it'll be like another tackle. I, I don't think that's going to be the case, but, but you never know. It's just a, a level, isn't it, how much we don't trust the tax system, how much, how much we don't trust the system around us to not once it gets its once it gets its into its head that they can get money out of it for something, they'll get money out of it for something else. It's you know, I have some stuff held over from yesterday, which I will get to. I promise, with regard to the cans and to the bottles. But Ireland is a small place. Cork is a small place. The world is actually just a village. It really is just a little village, let alone anything bigger than that. Um, the chap called Omo Adebowale. You see him around town. He's got this enormous beard. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. The beard itself is a work, work of art. And he trims it and he takes great pride in it. And I think he even helps other men to trim and take pride in their beards. Um, he entered first dates and he was paired up with a genuine princess but there was a bit of a twist because it turns out they'd met before at a nightclub a little bit of a twist here's a clip 
I came in with absolutely zero expectation. Well, you also have to expect something that you want. Oh yeah, I mean, I do. I do like a bit of a princess. Hey, how are you? <laughs> hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. What's going on? What's your name? Princess. Princess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I feel like I feel like I know you from somewhere. Really? Where? Were you at LCP last night? <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I was. You Yeah. There's no way, because she was there. She came in, but she really caught my attention. But she just disappeared. So I didn't actually get to talk to her at all. Omo, how are you doing? Good morning to good you. Morning. Good, good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. L2P. Now, it's a new one on me, but then I'm probably too old for it. This is a day party. Dublin. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's actually um, a summer day party where obviously um, people from all of all of Ireland just gather and just have a bit of fun and something to do during the summer. You know, it's every probably every every two weeks or something like that. So it's not something that happens every single right. time. So yeah, <laughs> you start during the day and then might break off to smaller groups in the evening. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And princess, you'd spotted her at it. Yes, yes. Weird, weird enough, strange enough, I'm actually still thinking about it and it still feels very surreal. Um, yeah, I spot her at it. Um, I, I had just literally just been in there about five, ten minutes with my friends and we're standing around just, you know, what you do normally at a, when you're at a bar. And obviously incoming, in comes this, you know, gorgeous looking woman and instantly got my attention. And, you know, obviously I, I thought, wow. And then I thought nothing else of it, and magically she happened to appear the following day, which was, it almost felt like a setup somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're Nigerian originally. <laughs> you're, you're here a long time, aren't you? Yes, sir, I am, yeah. I've been here, my family's been here for four years now, almost um, two, two decades now. I've, I went to primary school here, secondary school, college, you know, the mm. whole works. Yeah, you surely yeah. know then that Ireland is just a little village. Oh, it's you, tiny. You didn't expect it to be that small. No, no, absolutely not. You know, the, what, what are the chances of that happening? You know, it's very, very slim to none. And when you walked <laughs> on the set for First Dates, um, her name, by the way, genuinely is Princess, isn't it? It genuinely is. Yes. Yeah. When, when yes. you walked on to the set at First Dates, this kind of is the question that the cynics ask. Surely it is all set up beforehand. You'd no idea. No, absolutely not. I have I had absolutely no idea. Nobody knows what they're what they're going in for um, until you're sitting there and your date walks in and it's either you like them or you don't. You don't get the chance beforehand to assess anybody or you know you don't get to see absolutely anything. So how is it um, selected? How did you get into it? Um, how well? How did I get into it in the first place? I it was just a banter between friends, you know. Um, I have a few friends who have been offered to go on Love Island, and someone was egging me on to kind of apply for that. And I was like, well, I wouldn't, I would, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, look, I've I've been watching first dates, and I might try that for that instead. You know, it's a bit kind of it's a smaller, you know, it's right up my my alley. I tried out for it and. The producer called me. We had a chat. Um, it went through kind of like a whole process of asking you exactly what your type is and what you like to see in a woman and what you're interested in and you know what kind of what kind of proper, um, qualities you like in a woman. 
and well, as you can tell, they um, they didn't miss a beat anyway. No, you wanted a bit of you 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 said that you'd like to meet and treat a woman like a princess, and then they set you up with someone. They 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 knew what they were doing. If even you didn't know what 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 they were doing, how did it go? Oh, they knew what they exactly what they were doing. I have to give credit to them. They're very good at their job, and it's just how you can get something right down to a T like that. You know, it's 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 still kind of it's still crazy to me. It's, you know, when was it filmed, by the way, Omo? Uh this was actually this was filmed. Um, Right at the very start of summer, summer last year, summer last 23. year. Right, so these episodes yes. are what six or eight months old now. So, 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 so I, I have, I, I have to ask: Are you still in contact? We are actually not because uh, mostly with with distance and everything. Uh, we're both very busy people, busy lives. Um, you know, we, we I kind of had to make a choice and. Fortunately for me, I am I am in a new relationship with a very special somebody. So, okay. Okay. you know, I'm 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 super happy. I've everything I I was looking for. Yeah, but did you make a friend on the program? Like, do you do you contact each other? Oh, we. I mean, we're we made a great friend, and you know, we both have a lot of things in common. Like, she she does um, podcasts, which I'm very interested in, and. Mm. Um, as for as for staying staying in contact, I mean, as just in in respect to my <laughs> to my partner at the moment, um, I I don't think that would be wise. At Probably all. not. But Probably. that way, yeah. no, no, I'd like to keep my head. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> I get no, that. that yeah, that yeah. Say, I, I'm, I'm, she's, I'm, she's an amazing woman. I'm laughing. You're a you're a national supporter, I think, and Princess didn't like that very much. Oh, I'm telling you, she she didn't at all. I think it had to do with something with her father or something. <laughs> she didn't like that at all. She wanted a Chelsea man, you know, so that, you know, have a bit of, have a bit of oh something. Oh, God, Ars- you see, there, no, no, there's the Arsenal and Chelsea. I don't think that would ever last under one roof to you. Oh, absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. No, no. Only one we're walking out anyway. Uh, it, was the, uh, it was the business when, when you... Just, Spotted each other before. Come here, the beard man. How much work yes, sir. goes into that? How much work? You know what? Um, you'd be amazed. Not a lot of work goes into it. Um, I'm a big advocate on on men generally taking care of themselves because yeah. I always say a man's appearance is what you'll always be judged by. It's always what anybody will first describe you as. And you know, obviously, I started I started losing hair years ago. You know, while I, when I was in college, doing, you know, going through a masters and all that. And anybody that went through that rigorous phase will let you will tell you that it's a tough process. But I decided to grow my beard out, and I started taking care of it as I do everything else. And it just it just stuck, and it's something that I'm very good at. And I just started, you know. Putting out to other men as well, as in, you know, it's very, very easy to take care of yourself. And gone are the days where, you know, people see the rugged look and they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. You know, it's it's all, it's all well and good for some. But in this yeah. day and age, it goes a long way when you take care of yourself facially. And, you mean you know, it's it's something your body will thank you for. In the, do you, in do you have to, like, do you have to wash it every day? Do you have to wax it, trim it? 
So what I do, I I trim I trim every two days. Um, if if I don't do that, it'll be up to my knees. So <laughs> I trim every I trim every two days. I apply beard oil and beard balm, which I actually make myself. Oh, do you? Yeah? I've yes, I, I I make everything right myself. It's all organic, and you know it's it's what I put into my body. And now I'm I'm giving it to other men as well to try because you know it's a very it's a relatively new phenomenon. And taking care of your beard. Not a lot of men know how to do that. So, yeah. you know, me being that middleman to provide that little apparatus. Yeah. You know, it, it, it became it became a thing in Cork a couple of years ago. Men had uh, big beards. I don't see so many of them around at the moment, with the exception of a beauty like yours. Some of them got so big <laughs> and so out of control, you'd almost expect a small bird to be living in it. Yeah, it's easy to grow a beard. It's e- it's very very easy to grow facial hair, but actually taking care of it because not a lot of people know that you've got bacteria the same way you've got bacteria in your natural hair on your head. You've got it on your beard, on your face, and you need to wash your face. You need to uh, apply beard oil to stop itching. Because I know a good few men who are still itching their faces off, and <laughs> it's 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 something that they they don't know about they don't know that there's an easy solution to this and i just wanted to bring that out there and be the one to actually you know provide some sort of alleviation for for this where can we i give you an opportunity to be to, to shamelessly plug what you do can we buy your products <laughs> yes of course yeah yeah um uh, everything's done online uh, as it is these days. Um, my, I recently launched my beard balm and beard oil business there. Maybe not not even two months ago. Okay. Um, you can find everything online. It's uh, the brand is called Main Man Beard Grooming, and you can kind of you you can find it through links on my Instagram anyway. And Ma- main I, as in M A N E, like a horse. Main Man. As an M M A I N E man. Main Man. M A I N E. Main Man. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's sort of a play a play on word for a yeah. confident man. You know, when you walk into a room, you need to exude a bit of confidence through you know your outlook. Yeah. So yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a nice little play on word for 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 the men. All right, Omo. Listen, great talking to you, fella. I know you're around Douglas. I must give you a salute the next time I see you. I know I know you to see. <laughs> and the minute I, I say, I know that fella. I know that. <laughs> you, you went, come on, there ain't that don't many be, people. Don't be shy. <laughs> Doug, Doug, Douglas is a small place. It's a, it's a pretty small place, as you know yourself. <laughs> All right, listen, chat again <laughs> soon, and my best as well uh, to Princess, um, who gave us a very enjoyable episode of, of First Dates. Unfortunately, they're no longer in contact, and he is seeing someone new, someone very special. Good luck to him. I hope she's got someone in her life as well. Omo Adebowali, main, the man with the beard, a main man, M-A-I-N-E-M-A-N dot I-E, for all of his um, beard products. 0818 On the salary of the president, Mary says, our fella should only get eight grand a year as well. Sure, he's doing nothing for the country. Thanks, Mary. And on the cans and bottles, um, do you know if you'll be charged for every can or every bottle? If you buy a multi-pack or will you just be charged once as it's a multi-pack or the recycled? No, no it's for every unit within the multi-pack. So if you buy a dozen or a half dozen cans of Coke or the 20 cans of Coke in the box, you pay 20, I think 20 by 15 cents, which is, God almighty, what's that? Nearly three euro. And then when you go back, you've got to put them all one by one into the machine. And then you get, and the, uh, yeah, 
one it's 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 on every single unit I'm just messaging about the cans and bottles. My local shop has a deli that's very popular. The manager told me they might have to cancel the meal deal, which is a roll, potatoes and a can. Why? I don't understand that. They'd probably charge an extra 15 cents for the can. I don't know why. It comes into effect anyway on the 1st of February, which is less than two weeks from now. A few more. <laughs> I love this one, Betty Brosnan. Imagine if Super Value put a recycling machine at Parky Cueve. Admission to the match could be 300 cans for adults, 200 cans for children. I do like that, thank you. Tom and Tanakilty says, I wonder how much water we're going to waste cleaning cans and bottles, especially in the summer. Surely they'll be sanitised anyway when they get recycled. PJ, I'm not saying this is the way, but look at the way the UK is doing it. I think we're overcomplicating it here says Derek. My son's living in Frankfurt for the last couple of years. They think it's great. Emmy says, I don't see the problem about bringing back the empties. People will get used to it when it costs their pockets and less rubbish on the road. You're supposed to wash out anything you recycle anyway, says Audrey. Fair enough. It works, you see, Sunshine then says, it works in all the other countries. Not only Germany. The Irish just love to complain, don't they? Oh, of course we do. Of course we do. We love to complain. Sure, if we didn't complain, if we didn't complain, I, I would never program. Do you know? So complain away. It's my bread and butter. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz ninety six FM. Just take our ten minute music survey, and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat, and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. Oh yeah, just to correct uh, that website, uh, Omo's website. It is mainman, with an I, mainmanbeardgrooming.com. Mainmanbeardgrooming.com. All right. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. EVs are all the talk. It was totally fun yesterday when I mentioned that from Chicago there was reports of loads of EVs packing it in in the cold weather. They have very cold weather over there at the moment. They're down to like minus twenty Celsius, which is savage cold. But um, it prompted a couple of responses, and then last week of the week before, I was chatting with Adrian Weckler at The Independent, who bought an EV and loves it, but went to change it and found, hang on a minute here, it's after depreciating by a colossal amount. Paula, you had the same, or you discovered the same problem with your EV. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yes, um, it was a, a bit of a shock to the system. All right. Now, I would say I would start this conversation by saying buyer beware. And I probably should have done a lot more research um, before I did buy my um, fully electric car back in 2021. Uh, but I've certainly uh, learned a lot since then. What did you buy? So I bought a Kia e-Nero uh, and I will say the the team at Johnson & Parrish were fantastic. They were really supportive and I, and I, I bought a number of cars uh, through the years uh, from them. Um, I was president of Cork Chamber back in, in, in that time and I suppose I really felt, PJ, I was speaking about sustainability 
and green transport as part of that. And I felt, look, I'm not going to be one of those hurlers in the ditch who talks about things and doesn't do something about it. So I decided to invest in a fully electric car. I mean, the incentive was there at the time from a government perspective as well. And it seems like a, a really a good option for us. Um, I suppose in hindsight, as I say, I should have done a little bit more research. We downgraded from quite a, a large Kia mm. to the Nero, which is compact. Um, and at the time as well, I mean, we live uh, about 15 kilometres from the city centre um, and had the charger installed at home, which was excellent. But um, since I had purchased the car, um, my kind of my role and, and the organisation I work with, Cognitive Health, was expanding rapidly into Dublin. So I Oh. That angst of heading to Dublin and worrying, will I get there? How will I get around? Will you dropped out there for a second. So after, sorry, oh. Polly, you, you dropped out on me there for a second. So yes. uh, you bought the EV, the Nero, the Nero, which is a nice little car, compact, as you say. And then the job changed and you had to do more driving to Dublin. And is that where the problems began? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the uncertainty of knowing whether I'd make it up, um, make it, um, you know, you'd make it to Dublin, PJ, but then it was, I was traveling out as far as Meath, uh, potentially, you know, south side, north side of Dublin for meetings um, and the concern of knowing that I was going to be somewhere where I could get to an EV charging point and make it in time. I mean, it was an added stress that um, I certainly didn't um, anticipate or need at that stage. And would you get all the way to Dublin on, on one charge? Yeah, you would, but you would have to be very um, careful about staying around 100 kilometres an hour. I mean, if you were travelling at 120 kilometres an hour all the way up, you would probably make it just as far as Nace um, and then have to charge there prior to to heading into the city centre. You'd find yourself getting into the services maybe up around uh, Junction 14 there. I know they've a big charging point there. Yeah. Which means you have to add additional time to the journey. And when you pull in then at a service station like say Mayfield as they call it up there Junction Ford. how long would you have to leave the car stewing um, to- on average 45 minutes Right, you would have to wait for 45 minutes and then some of the chargers you know there could be a queue and that's a very very popular spot for people to to charge um, and then unfortunately in some circumstances as well the, the actual EV chargers were not working mm-hmm. um, so again there was always that, that panic making and not every connection device. works either does it no, I was fortunate from that perspective. I had a, a charger that had three different uh, types of connectors associated with it. So that was never an issue for me. But the ESB charging points, which you find throughout Ireland, many of them have a restriction on them. So you can only charge for 45 minutes. You can't actually charge any longer than I that. See, I see. I see. Um, which I, I, I can't understand why that is the case. Um, but that was, again, another, I suppose, um, frustration um, when you were charging. Gotcha. I gotcha. And then the depreciation is the one that really stung. Yes, very much so. I suppose, again, I, you know, an early adopter, uh, again, a learning there that, you know, at the time when, when I was purchasing my EV, there was a very small market for secondhand EVs, but that's increased dramatically in the last two years. So when I went to um, exchange the car, um, I was advised that there was a 50% reduction in the value of, of electric cars. 50%. Um, just because there's so much more, yeah, just because the, the, the market has um, increased so dramatically and there's so many secondhand EVs now available, which which wasn't the case when I purchased the car. So if you bought a regular petrol car, say 241 as it is now, uh, and take yes. it back next year or a year later, maybe two years' time, you put it back onto the forecourt and you say, I want the same thing again, you pay a certain amount and whatever. 
You say the value of your car had gone down by 50% by the time you brought it back to the forecourt. Yes. Yeah. And In I mean, how long, Paula? PJ. Two years, 2021 <sighs> to, to 2020, well, end of 2022 when I started the, the process, yeah, of, of looking for a replacement. And um, but that's anecdotally, PJ, that's the case with, with all cars. I mean, mine was a very compact. It was, a you know, an economical car. I wasn't buying a really expensive car, but apparently... That that is the case with with EVs across the the board yeah, at the moment. Adrian, Adrian Witcher said that so too many. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he was looking at it, yeah. changing his ID, Volkswagen ID, and he was shocked at the depreciation. Yeah, in it. And again, there's yeah. so many other options out there. You know, the the Chinese market for EV cars has increased dramatically. Um, you, you know, we'd see them to be in, across Ireland. They're coming into the marketplace and they're driving down. The, the price of EVs as well, which is good for consumers, but sure. not for those who bought or, who bought I earlier. <laughs> yeah, I know. Buyer, buyer beware on that. But would you buyer stick? Beware. Would you stick with the electrics, Paula? I loved my electric. I'll be honest. If I was based in Cork all the time um, and just traveling around the city, it was phenomenal. I was I was getting a you know a full week out of a charge, just commuting into the city and back, and it was costing me from an electrical point about fourteen to fifteen euro a week to run. Wow. Um, so it was, you know, really economical um, and um, the EV charging points in, in Cork City. I mean, that was a little bit of an issue, but I suppose we were very fortunate to have the, the charger at home. Yeah. And yeah. so we, all, we always had that assurance, you know, that, that there wasn't going to be an issue there. All right. um, so, yeah, I couldn't, uh, you know, again, if uh, do your research. If you're somebody who's not doing huge mileage and it is around the city and you do have a charger that's either close to you or at home, then I think it's an excellent option and that you're, you know, you're willing to hang on to it for five or six years at least um, and I think my understanding is what's going to happen now is you will be uh, returning in, in the next number of years you'll be returning your car and buying a new battery you won't actually be changing you know the car every time uh, it'll be like a little piece that you'll insert um, yeah. instead and again the range has increased significantly you know my range yeah. was 450 kilometers they're now talking about cars that have seven Oh, 700 yeah, kilometres. Yeah, yeah, but the battery the battery's in an awful price. If the battery should go and you're, you're in right trouble. Paula, thank you. Uh, Emma says, my friend had an ID4, 14 months old. It was written off in an accident. And the insurance, oh, goodness me. The insurance dropped the value by 19,000. Good Lord. So in other words, the, the, the insurance wouldn't stump up the full price of replacing the car. 32,000 kilometres on it, bought it for 50,000. See, they are depreciating really, really fast. The other thing that came up during the week was how they perform in the weather. That was the story from Chicago. Alan, you have uh, an electric vehicle. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I am indeed, yes. Now, this comes on the back of a purely a bit of fun I was having yesterday where I noticed that in Chicago they're having some really cold nights at the moment like down as low as minus 20 degrees and the Teslas are playing up in the cold has your Tesla played up in the cold this week for example? No I can honestly say it hasn't PJ um, I suppose your range will get reduced in the cold weather you know that's, that's a known fact you do lose some range in the, in the cold weather but with regards to charging and stuff uh, no issues charging at all um, now, obviously, I haven't experienced uh, temperatures as low as they have in Chicago. Mm. But typically, if you're going to a supercharger, you precondition your car before you go. So the car does this intelligently. You need to navigate to the charger. And then what it does is it preconditions and it heats the battery and allows for supercharging to take place. Uh-huh. Now, I see there's a guy, uh, a very famous 
our blogger. His name is Bjorn Nyland. He's a Norwegian man, and he does a lot of reviews on uh, Teslas in the cold weather. He's never encountered this problem. I do. I follow him on YouTube and right. watch quite a lot of his videos, and um, it's minus 30, minus 26 Celsius, that is. He, he's never encountered any issues. But it is an own, like when you, when you buy an EV, like you, you will change your driving habits. The, the secret with owning an EV is uh, you need to have a charger at your home. Yeah. And when you have a charger at your home, you can avail of, you might see them online, there's uh, ESD and Ford Gosh, they all offer these EV charging rates. Yeah. So you charge your car up and it can be as cheap as uh, 8 cents per kilowatt of electricity. To give you an idea, the Tesla iDrive is a standard range uh, Tesla Model Y and it's got a 60 kilowatt battery. A home charger would have a, uh, you'd get about 21 kilowatts of electricity per night. And that would give you range-wise about 150 kilometres, costing you then about €2.50 approximately to drive 150 kilometres. Now, Oh, quite the opposite. I find the cold weather, I find the Tesla quite good. Yeah. Because it has a thing called preconditioning. It preconditions for the morning time. This is the thing, isn't it, where you have, is it an app or something on your phone? So yeah. you yeah. get out of bed, you're putting the kettle on, and you can tell the car to warm itself up and be ready for you. That I like. Absolutely. You don't even need to, you don't even need to get out of bed, PJ, because what you'll do is you, you, you'll set up through the app. So... Let's say if you were availing of, the, as I mentioned a minute ago, the cheaper charging rates. So you can set up in your car, you can schedule your car to start charging at 2 a.m. It'll start charging using the cheaper ESB rate. And then you'll also, through the app, you'll schedule your car. If you know you're going to work Monday to Friday, you can set it for weekdays or you can set it for the full week. Right. It'll precondition itself. So it means it warms the battery up, it warms the car up. And when you go out to your car, and your neighbour across the road is out with the kettle of water and his slippers trying to melt all the ice and get ready for work. Your car is all heated for you. It's all pawed for you. Your heated seats are on. Your heated steering wheel is on. It's lovely and comfortable to jump into your car and off you go. Like. And then you're connected to the electricity because you're charging it, so that hasn't, or has it, diminished your battery, that, that little warm-up session? No, the fact that you're connected to your charger means it hasn't diminished your battery. No, it will take the, the draw for doing wow. all of that through, through from the, the connection on your house. Mm. Um, yeah, so look, my, my experience of owning an EV is, has been very positive. Uh, this is my second EV okay. I have, uh, okay. uh, my second Tesla, to be specific. Really? And um, I'm hoping to get a third Tesla now in the new year um, when it will arrive. I find Tesla to be the best on the market at the okay. moment overall. I've never sat into one, I've never driven one, but looking into mm -hmm. a Tesla, it's a sexy looking beast from the outside. You could watch the FA Cup on that big screen. And indeed you can watch the FA Cup on that big screen if you want. You've got, you've got YouTube and you've got Disney Plus and all the rest of it. So when you are, if you do have to stop, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we live in a small island, you know, and yeah, if people watch a lot of reviews about... Um, EVs online and what have you. They might be more, more based around maybe Europe or America or Australia where they travel very long distances. Yeah. Now, typically, I have a standard range um, Model Y, as I said, 
And the range I'll get out of mine is about 350 kilometres. They're thereabouts. In this colder weather, more around the 300 kilometre range with a full battery. Which if you're only so, going around town, if you're only commuting, as I would yeah. say, into work, you know, yeah, that's more exactly. than enough for, for a week, for, for a few quid. You'd recommend an EV? I would recommend an EV, and actually a colleague, I work in um, St. John's Hospital, actually in Limerick, and one of my colleagues, we were chatting about cars, and she was a Volvo driver for many a year. She was kind of on the fence about getting an EV, and she bought one. She got a long-range model, because she does some trips up and down to Dublin, and she absolutely loves it. She was only chatting to me this morning, actually, and telling me how much she loves the car. In this cold weather, to give you an idea, she's getting over 400 kilometres of range in her so, I mean, in a small island like this... That, that's you good. Know. No, no, I do like... I love, must say, I love this idea. Our own boss told me about it a couple of years ago that the, the, the car will have itself warm, ready and defrosted for you yes. in the driveway. That, I have to say, I like. Alan, thank you. Good talking to you. Thank you, PJ. Thanks very much for having me on. Delighted. There are a lot of people writing in about that. Dan says, I have the same. I have an EV. No issues starting this morning in minus eight. Like that, I can pre-warm and defrost the car from my phone. I drive about 500 kilometers a week and can do all my charging on a cheap night rate for less than seven euro. It'll be 60 euro plus on the diesel I used to drive before that. The value of second-hand EVs during COVID was huge because there was a shortage of new cars. People were getting close to what they bought for a new, a new, for new a, new, a year later. It's all changed now. The value of second-hand petrol diesel cars has dropped as well. There's no doubt new EVs are expensive first day, but they are way cheaper to run and service down the road. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Alan. And thanks, Paula. 0818 96 96 96. We're talking Eurovision next. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. So this night week, the 26th of January, Eurosong. 2023, the late, late Eurosong special, the six songs in contention to go forward to represent Ireland at the Eurovision in Malmo, will be voted on on the Late Late Show. And we have a very, very strong Cork connection through Bambi Thug. Bambi Thug is based in the UK, but from Cork. This is Bambi's tune. It's called Doomsday Blues. That into your head, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. Now, there's a lot going on in that track. Bambi Thug is a non-binary artist, and as I joined me from the UK. Bambi, in a word, it is different. Yes, it's, I mean, I, I call it Ouija pop. And that's a term I coined myself because um, I am a songwriter of multiple genres. And I have many facets to my myself, really, and my music. So uh, this song kind of just, I wanted to showcase showcase multiple facets and also try and create something that 
um, does actually work going into these different genres in the same song. You know, like I don't, I don't know another song that does that really. We share a favorite, you and I. Euphoria is one of your favorite Eurovision songs, as it is one of mine. But yeah. there's different elements to this song. It could take off in any one direction at any time. Was that deliberate? It was deliberate, yeah. So basically when I was making the song, I was with my collaborators and we had made the verse and the pre, which is kind of similar to, say, some of my other more metal-based um, stuff. And I was like, what should we do? Can we? Do you think we could make it into a pop? Can we go pop, maybe? And then we tried it and it, it worked. And then we were like, right, what can we add in next? And was, we were kind of like, jazzy? Can we put a jazzy middle eight? And then we were like, right, so now let's just go absolutely mental at the end and do the signature um, Bambi thing where I always have the end of my songs like Tsunami and stuff are always kind of go off a bit more in energy. And I remember listening to it afterwards. We were all just sitting in the room being like, what have we just created yeah. and why does it work? Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, like I think... Nobody's ever done really changed uh, changed things by sticking into a box either. And um, music can go in any way, you know. I think the I think the death of anything is holding constraints on it, and um, I refuse. Yeah. How do you think it's going to go down with the late late show audience on a Friday night? People who, <laughs> people who stay in with a pot of tea and some chocolate biscuits. Well, you know what? I'm aiming to put on. An absolute show, as in it's not just about the song with me. And of course, it's so much about how the song is genre defying and, and pushes boundaries. But for me, it's very much about the the show that I put on, the costumes, the choreography, the lighting. I mean, I'm trained in musical theatre, um, so that's very big for me. And I'm really hoping that they'll just enjoy themselves, like regardless of if they're like, what was that? I think they'll be like, wow, what, what was that? Instead of, oh, my God, what was that? <laughs> So I, I'm hopeful. I gotta say, I, I gotta say, I like it. I, I like it purely for its its daringness, if that is such a word. Yeah. You're from McCroom originally. Tell me about yourself. I am. I'm from McCroom. I grew up um, in Raleigh um, and went to St Mary's uh, Convent School and St Joseph's Primary School and um, did a few shows in the Briery Gap. Was in the Ultraflex School of Dance. <laughs> In McCroom, and then I I went to Cork. I went to uh, Colossus Stefanefa to do the dance course, and I did some bits with Cork City Ballet before going over to London um, on a partial scholarship to study musical theatre and dance. So I've always been a a show bunny. A uh, look at me, please. <laughs> Have you brought the big costumes to the Briary Gap? No, my God, no! I uh, <laughs> I would just wear their costumes that they gave me back then. Um, I was actually I was Maria in Sound of Music in our fourth year show in the Barry Gap. That was my last time there, and I remember all of the kids. So the the Von Traps, they were all my peers in 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 the same year. But I was about five foot back then, and everybody else was way taller than me. So it was a very funny spectacle to see me being the the lead with all the children taller. Um. I have very fond memories of McCroom, actually. Yeah. A statistic that I was impressed by is 60 million hits on Spotify for your music. Now, the last time that... I have a great friend who is a Eurovision uh, analyst, shall we say, and often does pieces with me on the show. His name's Dermot Manning. And I remember a few years ago, uh, after Manskin won, 
he said to me, I told you so, I told you so. He said, I said, yeah, you did, but how did you know? He said, look at Spotify. They had tens of millions of hits on Spotify. Your music is very popular online. Do you think it could stand to you? I, well, I hope it would stand for you. To me, um, I mean, the sixty million is for is actually for songs that I've written for other people yeah. and for for things um, in combination. So, I mean, I would hope that the songwriting kind of um, stands out in this in this final at least as well. And I do think that online stats. Um, speak for themselves, you know. Um, like I've been, I've been grinding this this industry for for the last, well, six years, but three years as Bambi Thug. The I've been writing for other people for a long time, and um, I would hope so, you know. Like there's a reason people are streaming the stuff; they obviously like it. And and there's a thing about the big show that you do as well. I mean, come back to Lorene having won it again, yes, last year with mm. a big stage the song wasn't I'm sure you'd agree with me the song wasn't half as good as Euphoria but the stage show yeah Euphoria yeah the stage show was brilliant and and you put on you, you specialise in putting on a big stage show yeah I mean like I, I it's it's very important for me and I guess if I was given the platform that big with the resources and the and the production value of that I would go absolutely ham. Like, if if not for anything else, people should vote for me for the show that could be put on in Malmo. Um, and, yeah, it means everything to me. I mean, like, that's a big part of me wanting and having started a career in music, not just for making songs and things, but it is for, you know, the more successful you get, the more budget you get to make these big, big spectacles. And will you build your own stage show, your own production, your own your own thing if you should happen to get to Melbourne? Well, I'll definitely be annoyingly. Um, I, I like to be very involved in absolutely every aspect of of everything. Um, we did my first headline show in London in October in the Oslo and Hackney, and we um, basically decorated the entire venue. I built a coffin for a door. Um, a coffin. We. Yeah, we added more stage onto the stage. We we changed, uh, we made uh, stained glass window bits. We had just so many flowers. I, it's very important for me for it to be as immersive as possible and just as um, as unable to ignore as as possible. If that even is proper English, I'm a songwriter here and I'm lost for words. To be honest. <laughs> no, no. The last uh, thing we'd be able to do ever, Bambi Thug, is ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you on the Late Late Show. I look forward to seeing what Patrick Keelty will say. I look forward Me to the op- <laughs> I look forward to the open mouth in the audience going, What is this? Yeah. Clutching the pearls. <laughs> But you know what, actually, for me is like I I really think even to just to to represent Ireland as as a queer person, but also like as a Cork person. Yeah, I think it's been a very long time since Cork's had a light on it, and we are, you know, like my friends in Cork are amazing poets, and there's so much um, there's so much creativity in the city that it's just not given the love or given the light, and um, just to have to bring to bring a light back on the. Uh, the real capital. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it didn't go past you last year, the difficulties that the queer community had here in the city. Well, it's everywhere. You know, it's a very dangerous world to be queer. 
But it is one of the most beautiful worlds to to be in. Could this become a bit of a, a an anthem for the queer community of Eurovision world if it were to get there? Maybe. I mean, it does talk about having your potential overlooked and and being taken for granted, which, um, in my opinion, like the queer community are the are the building blocks of culture, but are often excluded from 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 it. Well, I attended my first Eurovision in Mill Street. And apart from anything being from Cork, you'll have my you'll have <laughs> yeah. my interest on Friday week. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Delighted to do so. Uh, there's a, a real likability about Bambi Thug. We chatted during the week before talking there. It, it just something very likable. The song is mad, bonkers, but there's something in it. And trust me, as a veteran of many, many Eurovisions and many, many song contests to get a song to Eurovision, I have a sneaking suspicion that it could do very well uh, tomorrow or tonight week on, on the Late Late Show. There are six songs in total, and I'll go through all the details of them all. As we, I, I think there's a Cork connection with another one. I'm not 100% certain, but we know that Bambi Thug, originally from McCroom, and once played Maria in The Sound of Music, on the stage at the Priory Gap. You can't get much more Cork than that, can you? There's a two-car crash on the Glanmire roundabout heading in towards Tivoli. That's from Adam, the truck driver. Thank you for that, Adam. Hope nobody is hurt. That is about it for today and for the week. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Berry. All your podcasts up shortly. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you Monday, just after nine. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Her pinks and roosters. Corks 96 FM.